The other day as I was driving on the freeway and stuck in traffic, there was a little red sports car that pulled up in front of me and it had one of those you know, interesting lights on it where you know, it was spelling out some kind of a message. And here's what it said, I get lost. <laughs> now I thought, boy, you know, somebody's really bold to, uh, and unashamed to, to admit that they get lost. But then as I'm sitting behind them, I thought, well, what are they trying to tell me? You know, don't follow me because I get lost. Or maybe, you know, I don't know where I'm going, and so I might do something unexpected, so be alert. <laughs> well, either way, it was an interesting confession. I get lost. And that's probably true for all of us, huh? And not just with driving, but for so many things that we can kind of feel lost. In fact, sometimes we get to a point in life where we're maybe a little stuck and uncertain what to do. Maybe we have to make some important decision. And uh, maybe there's something that we need to do and we're not quite sure how to do it or if we should do it, and so we're kind of stuck. When that happens, we often have a phrase and we say, I'm at a crossroads here. I'm going to be making some important decision or doing some, some, something important that's really going to take me off in a different direction. I'm at a crossroads. Well, today we want to talk about a crossroads that, that God puts us at. It's, at. it's part of the series of messages we've entitled Cross Purposes. Today we want to see what kind of crossroads God puts us at. In the book of Acts, the, God shows us how his church was going out and spreading the gospel. And in particular, it tells us about one man, Philip, who had been appointed to be a minister in the church. It tells us of the great ministry that was going on in the area called Samaria, but then how God brought Philip to a new crossroad. Let's see what that was like. From Acts chapter 8. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candake, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? And so he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. 
As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again. But he went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Help me, I'm lost. Some people are not ashamed to admit that, and when they say that, they might be asking for help. And when we hear it, maybe our response is, well, what can I say to them, or, or what can I do for them? What, how can I show them so that they won't feel lost? One would have to wonder, did this Ethiopian feel lost? I mean, he was just at the temple in Jerusalem, and now he's heading home. He's got a chauffeur in his chariot. He couldn't have felt lost. But yet as he's reading the scripture, he was kind of confused. Now one would think, how could he be confused about what the Bible says? He was just at church, and now he's reading the Bible. And maybe that begs the question, maybe there are people at church who are lost. Maybe people who don't really understand about their relationship with God. Now this Ethiopian maybe thought, you know, he had life figured out. He knew where he was headed. He has a good government job, good pay, chariot with a chauffeur, riding on home. But maybe he really didn't know where he was headed in life. But God knew, and God takes steps to let him know where he can be going. The Spirit of the Lord sends an angel to Philip and tells him to go. Go to this desert road and go to that chariot and talk to that man. And Philip does. The word go is used several times in this passage of Scripture. It's kind of the key word, go. So let's talk about going today, but by that I mean gospel outreach. Because he wasn't just talking about traveling. He wasn't just talking about, well, you know, go here and go there physically. He was talking about sharing the gospel. Now it's interesting to note what was going on here, and we can learn a few lessons for our lives. And the first lesson is, yeah, let's go following the Lord's direction. We're told right before this that Philip was busy in Samaria. Samaria is that area north of Jerusalem. He was busy sharing the good news about Jesus there, and people were told in that town were filled with joy because of that message of a Savior. And then God sends him a message, go. Go down to the desert road that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, sometimes God's timing isn't exactly what we have planned. If you look at the details of this, and if we were in that situation, we might say, but I'm doing so well in Samaria, and I've got so many other opportunities to share the word, and there's, there's a lot of work here, and, and, and a lot of people, this is where I should stay. Not now, Lord. 
But God's timing isn't always our timing. God has a way of intervening, maybe even interrupting our plans. Sometimes it might appear to us that God moves kind of slow, and it's not on a timetable we would like. And then other times it maybe looks like God is really moving things along fast, and I'm not ready. I can't play this catch-up game, God. But look at Philip's response when the Spirit tells him to go, to leave all that he was doing in Samaria and go to this desert road. It said he immediately went. In fact, it says he ran up to the chariot. There was no delay. There was no debating. Are you sure? Is this the right thing to do right now? He simply accepted God's direction. Now, we might say, well, if an angel came to me and told me, this is what God wants you to do, I'd do it too. God doesn't speak to us through angels, but he speaks to us through his word. And he's made it real clear what he wants us to do, to go with his word. He even opens doors. He creates those opportunities for us to see the pathway. Sometimes we maybe don't see it so clearly. That's when we need some encouragement and some guidance. Sometimes maybe we do see it clearly, but we're just confused and we don't want to do it. Encouragement for us, go. Simply follow God's direction. That might have to do with the timing, but it could also do with God's travel plans. Again, Philip is up in Samaria, doing quite well in a populated area, and now God says, I want you to go to this desert road. <laughs> it wasn't a road that went through a very populated area, probably wasn't a very comfortable travel, and not a lot of people around. Why would God do that? Because, you see, God is concerned as much for the individual person as he is for the whole crowd. God wants everyone to be saved. So he wants that gospel to come even to that individual as well as the crowd. And that had been God's plan all along, to keep spreading that word out. When we think of the commission that he gave to his disciples, we see how that's fulfilled just looking at this map. He says, I want you to start as witnesses in Jerusalem and then spread out from there to the areas of Judea and Samaria. And from there, I want you to go into the uttermost parts of the world. God carried out that particular plan. That was his travel plan as he kept bringing more individuals into the church. First his apostles, then Philip, then Barnabas, and then a man we call St. Paul. And he had equipped them all and directed them to go out with that word. And that word would spread throughout all of Europe and Asia and throughout all of time so that somewhere along the line, you and I, thousands of years later, thousands of miles away, you and I hear the good news about Jesus. God's travel plans may not always match the plans that we have. God will use our human planning and he will use people, but it always follows his direction. Philip went right up to that chariot and had a conversation with that man, a conversation that would change his life, a conversation that would save his life. What can we learn from this? Look for and listen to God's direction for you. 
It's there in the Great Commission to go and share his word. It's there in his working as he opens doors and creates opportunities for us. So let's walk on this crossroad. Let's go. Hearing that commission, seeing those opportunities. Let's not let uncertainty and doubts slow us down. Let's have faith. For God who calls us to carry out this work will also provide for what we need to do the work and he will bless it. Oftentimes, God has already given us the means that we need to use to carry out the work. We just need to go. So let me ask you, what road has God placed you on now? What direction has God pointed you in? Is this a road that has some unexpected things on it? Some details you weren't planning for? Some people you hadn't counted on. Are you maybe stopped at a point in your life, you're at a crossroads and some important decision has to be made, maybe some change in your life? How do you handle it? What do you do when you're at the crossroads? Follow God's direction and simply go. Go using his word. That's exactly what Philip did now. He goes up to that chariot and the man is reading the Bible. Oh, what a great opportunity. In fact, one might think, well, there's really nothing to say. He's already reading the Bible. But did you notice what Philip, how Philip started the conversation? Do you understand what you're reading? Understand. Not, do you know? But do you understand what it's all about? Do you see the purpose of that message? Now again, one would think, well, the guy was just in church, and the guy is reading his Bible. He must have known. But he didn't. He had a question. What was this all about? We might wonder, how could he have a question about that? Well, remember that a lot of the people in the Old Testament had been taught, and people in Jesus' day had been taught to look at those laws that were in the Bible. And you live in obedience to those laws, and that's how you please God and have a right relationship with him. But that's not the message of the scriptures. Throughout the scriptures, it is clear that those laws are pointing out to us our incompetence, our inability to keep the laws, and our need for forgiveness, our need for a savior. In the place where this man is reading, Isaiah, as well as many parts in the scripture, it makes clear to us how we have that right relationship with God. God tells us his plan is to send one who is righteous to live and replace our unrighteousness. To send somebody who would be in our place, putting himself under the justice of God and suffer the punishment for our sins in our place. That was God's plan. We might ask, how, how did this Ethiopian not know that? Apparently he didn't. The message was covered with do this, do this. I'm afraid today that maybe that's the way it is also with people who go to church and hear messages that are all just focused on morality. And there's nothing wrong with morality. That's good. That's how God wants us to live. And that's how we honor God with moral right living. But none of that can save us. 
because we still have this incompetence to be able to do it well enough, good enough, perfectly to please God. Our biggest need is for forgiveness and a Savior. God made that real clear to us, and it was put very graphically for us in that book that this man was reading, the prophet Isaiah, and the very chapter he was reading. You see, all of that was revealing our sin and pointing us to Christ for salvation. So let's take a look at what he was reading from Isaiah 53, where the prophet, 700 years before it happens, is picturing the sacrifice of Jesus for our sins. The man was reading this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. This was talking about Jesus. How Jesus submitted to the Father's will, was silent in his submission, and took upon himself the guilt of our sins. I'm sure that Philip didn't just stop with this passage, but that he also looked at the other verses right around that passage. Verses like this. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. There was God's plan. The righteous for the unrighteous. Our unrighteousness being put on this lamb, this sacrifice, Jesus. There is where our need would be met and we'd be in a right relationship with God. I'm sure that Philip also went a little bit farther in that same chapter and read these verses to him. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. That's speaking of the exaltation of Jesus, of his resurrection, the fact that he would be raised again to life, showing us our sins have been atoned for, and we too would live. In the book of Acts, it simply said, Philip shared with him the good news of Jesus. My friends, that is the good news. Despite whatever might be on the roads on which we walk, the paths that we take, the experiences of life, this is the only message, this is the only news that can bring us real joy and hope and life. Now, Philip must, do, must have explained to him also about baptism because when they saw that water, he told his chariot to stop and they got out and Philip baptized him. He knew then that this pardoning grace was made his, was sealed, and he would become a member in God's kingdom. What a blessing baptism is. I know that for many of us, we were baptized a long time ago. But the effects of it are still lasting. There's where we can look and be reminded how God pardoned us, washed away our sins, and has sealed us into his family. 
But now let me ask you this. How do you go? How do you gospel outreach? Let it start, first of all, with the joy that you have in your heart. Let it be evident to others. As Peter said, be ready to give anyone an answer for the reason for the hope that you have. Do they see your hope? Or do they say worry and fear and doubt? I'm reminded of a little cartoon in which there were two birds sitting up on a tree looking down and seeing people running off here and doing all this stuff. And the one bird says to the other, they must not have the same God we have. You see, sometimes we, we, what we show in our life is all this worry and concern about the needs of this life instead of the hope and joy that we have from the presence and the blessing of our God. How do you go? How do you gospel outreach? Let it be seen in your character. Let it be seen in your behavior and in your words. People often will comment on the ties that I wear because most of them have scripture passages on them. And I love wearing them when I go into a hospital, for example, and people see that and they see me carrying the Bible. Not because I need to know what I have to say to the person I'm visiting, but I want people to know why I'm there and the hope that I'm bringing. I remember a a store clerk uh, at a grocery store that I would go to, and she often wore crosses. And so finally one day I said to her, I really like the jewelry that you wear. And she said, sir, it's not just jewelry, it's the truth. Do you show the truth in how you live? That's gospel outreach. Seize the opportunity and simply share Jesus. Look what happens then. Look how this goes on. Let's go again to the end of the story and see what happened. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again. But he went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. The gospel goes on, first of all, in our rejoicing. This Ethiopian was so filled with joy, he carried that message on with him, and joy was evident of his life, because he was a sinner, now forgiven, now welcomed into the family of God, now a member of God's eternal kingdom. Could there be anything happier than that? What he experienced was the same thing we're told the people in Samaria experienced when Philip was preaching there. Great joy. That's what's in your heart too, isn't it? Great joy, because you know the truth of your salvation and the love of God. Even though this life is filled with a lot of misery, lives shattered, lives shadowed by sin, We've got the message, the only message that brings real, lasting joy and hope. So like Philip, let's keep reaching out with that gospel. I don't know how it happened, but God immediately took him and sent him up the coast to keep the work going. If you look at the map now, those arrows on the left side, that's where Philip was going now, sharing the good news at all of those towns, bringing that joy and hope to people there. That's his road That's his crossroad. What's your crossroad? Whatever it may be, wherever it may take you, go with the gospel in your heart. 
that joy, that certainty that you have of God's salvation and his blessing in your life, let it be evident to all. And while there may be sometimes some uncertainty about what's on the road, who's on the road, what needs to be done, go with confidence because you're going with God's assurance and blessing. And as you travel on that road, go with commitment, a commitment to outreach with the gospel. We just talked about that as being the mission of our congregation, but it first starts with us as individuals to know the grace of God, to grow in faith, love, and service, and to go with the gospel. Then let us come together as a congregation and work with our offerings, with our activities, with our time and our talent to take that word out to many others. My friends, God has equipped us to do that. God has directed us to do that. So let's go. Amen.